Good morning, this is Chris Shoemaker, also known as Yehuda Ben Shamer, and you're listening to Coffee with Chris, the time of the day where we share a cup of coffee and share a bit of the Word of God. All right, we are on our Thursday's portion of our Torah portion called Tetzave, uh, which means you are to order, and this is all about the consecration of the Kohanim, the priest, the Levitical priesthood of Israel. And so our passage today is Exodus chapter 29, and we're going to be tackling verses 26 through 28. And hopefully I can clear up maybe a common misconception that has been brought up and that we have been taught in Christendom. And so here we go. So uh, the, the, uh, the, the priest had had their garments made, uh, specially made. They're very intricate, very beautiful, very ornate, very specific. Uh, they, they immersed in a mikvah. In other words, they baptized themselves. They washed themselves and cleansed themselves. And Moses dressed Aaron and his sons um, in the priestly garments that were made for them. They were, um, uh, the sacrifices had been made. They were sprinkled uh, and, and anointed with oil. And, uh, you know, the blood of the sacrifice was put on the uh, tip of the right ear, the tip of the right thumb, and the tip of the big toe. And now they've offered all the sacrifices. So here we go. In verse 26 of chapter 29 of Exodus, it says, Also, take the breast of Aaron's ram of consecration and wave it as a wave offering before Adonai. So it will be your portion. Pay attention to those words. It will be your portion. We, Some of us have erroneously thought that when there's a sacrifice that was made, whether it was animal or grain or whatever, that all of it was burnt on the altar. And that's not true. Only very few uh, sacrifices were totally burnt up, and they are called whole burnt offerings, which means that there was nothing left. But the majority of the offerings, there was a portion uh, that was put on the altar, and it was a memorial portion. And then f uh, from that sacrifice, the priest took uh, what was rightfully theirs by inheritance, whether it would be meat or whether it would be grain. So we see from this ram offering that Aaron gets the breasts. And so in verse 27, it says, set apart the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution which is waved and offered up from the ram of consecration including what belongs to Aaron and his sons and it is to belong to Aaron and his sons as their due share until the Messiah comes no it doesn't say that it says until um, until Israel becomes a nation no it doesn't say that either until the temple is destroyed no, let's read it. Set apart the breast and the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution, which is waved and offered up from the ram of consecration, including what belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is to belong to Aaron and his sons um, as their due share forever. For How long is forever? It's forever. It's for all time. It's forever, at least, in this world, is till the end of time. That's at least what forever means. So it will be their due share forever from B'nai Israel, from the children of Israel, because it is their contribution. It is to be a contribution from the children of Israel, from their sacrifices of fellowship offerings, they, uh, their contribution to Adonai. Now, why is this? Well, the Levites have to make a living, too. 
I mean, the rest of the tribes, you know, Gad and Judah and Issachar, etc., they get a land inheritance. Not only do they get a land inheritance, usually they're a professional in some sort of way. Some of them are bakers, some of them are carpenters, some of them are judges, and all these types of things you get paid for the work that you do so that you can make a living in the land that you've inherited. But God said that the Levites are not to have a land inheritance because they're to live in and around the temple and they're to live. Um, all over Israel and serve God all over Israel. So what is their inheritance? What is God giving them? If they're not getting land, what are they getting? They're getting the portion from the sacrifices. Now, you know, let's take, for instance, a bushel of grain. They would take, um, they would take a scoop of like two or three fingers and what could ever fit in that, that little scoop that you've made with your hand is what would be burnt up on the, on the altar. The rest of it was given to the priesthood so that they could feed themselves and feed their families. And that's how they made their living, and that's how they ate. And God said, this is your inheritance forever. And then people get so confused because they're like, well, I thought that Jesus did away with all the sacrifices. No, he just did away with the penalty that caused the sacrifice. It was the penalty that was nailed to the cross, not the law. So what's the penalty of sin? The penalty of sin, breaking the commandments, is death. He nailed that to the cross. He's done away with the death penalty, but the sacrifices still remain. Then people keep scratching their head and they're like, well, doesn't the sacrifices, doesn't that just kind of slap in the face to the sacrifice of Yeshua? I thought he was our ultimate sacrifice forever and for all time. Yes, yes, he is. Because of his sacrifice, you know, you know, we, we, we don't need any other sacrifice because even in Hebrews, it says the blood of bulls and goats could never eradicate, could never take away sin. What did they do? They covered up sin. It's just like a, a, a credit card. You know, a credit card doesn't really pay for the goods. You know, you can, you can use a credit card and get the goods that you want right then and there, but you still really haven't paid for it. You get a bill later on your credit card statement saying, hey, you still owe this because you use the credit card to get these, these goods. So the debt is incurred. The debt keeps snowballing. The debt keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just that the, um, the credit card just kind of covers that payment so you can have whatever you need now. So that's what the blood of bulls and goats of the sacrifice offerings did. They temporarily covered the sins. So, you know, you could just move on with your life. It's also like sweeping a room, you know, with a broom. And then you have a little throw rug. You can't find the dustpan so you can sweep up the, the, the dirt and throw it away. So you just lift up the corner of the rug and sweep the dirt under the rug and cover it up. Nobody knows it's there, right? It's covered. That's what sacrifices do. They are a kippur. They are a covering. But things changed when Yeshua came. When Yeshua came, he was the perfect, spotless, blemishless, sinless sacrifice. He was 100% God to have the power to redeem us from our sins. And he was 100% man to have that right to be our kinsman redeemer. He didn't just cover our sins with his blood, as with the blood of bulls and goats and other animals. He, his blood dissolved, eradicated, took away the debt. It's as if we had this big credit card debt and some billionaire comes along and says, hey, don't worry about it. I got this covered. I'm going to pay it for you. You don't have to worry about this anymore. You can cut up your credit card and be done with it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That's what it's like. And that's so. And then you're saying, okay, well, then what is the purpose of the sacrifices? Inheritance. You know, when God gives you something, he doesn't change his mind and say, oh, oh I'm going to take it back. Right? We have a term for that in this culture, and it's not a nice term. 
So God does not do that. When he gives something to somebody, he does not give it back. Um, it's a gift, you know, just like our gift of salvation. He doesn't say, oh, well, you're saved one day. No, I'll change my mind. Don't like it anymore. You're not saved anymore. No, he gives us eternal salvation. It is a free gift. Well, these sacrifices are the gift of God to the priest. So what's going to happen is that the third temple is going to be, be rebuilt. And, you know, you just go to the templeinstitute.org, I believe it is. Everything is ready. They've got the priestly garments made. They have all the furnishings. The only thing that is missing is the temple and the Ark of the Covenant. And they think, you know, I believe they know where the Ark of the Covenant is, but they're not telling anybody. And they're just waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. They're even practicing, doing practice runs of sacrifices. So when the third temple is rebuilt, the sacrifices will resume. Then you say, well, besides inheritance, what is the purpose of these sacrifices? The purpose of the sacrifice, all the way when God slaughtered whatever animal it was to clothe Adam and Eve after they become naked from eating the forbidden fruit, that was the very first sacrifice. Then you had Cain and Abel. Then you had all the other patriarchs sacrificing up to the point of the cross. The whole purpose of the sacrifice was a reminder of the prophecy of Genesis 3.15 that a Messiah was coming that was going to redeem us from our sins. It was a, a symbolism, a word picture, and an analogy, and it was a reminder. These sacrifices were to remind us of the Messiah that was going to come. Now, the cross, the Messiah came. Now, all the sacrifices that take place after the cross, what do they do? What is their purpose? It's to remind us again to look back to the cross and be reminded of the Messiah that already came. Secondly, it was also for the inheritance of the priesthood. You said, well, I thought that Yeshua was the ultimate priest, the priest of the order of Melchizedek, which did away with the Levitical priesthood. There's nothing in Hebrews that says that Leviticus or that uh, Melchizedek does away with the Levitical priesthood. It just says that it is a more superior, better priesthood, and it is an eternal priesthood. So what's going to happen is when Messiah returns, the third temple is rebuilt, sacrifices are instituted, Messiah returns, what's going to happen is he is going to be priest and king. He's going to be the high priest and king. He's going to be the priest of the order of Melchizedek because he's not from Levi. He's from Judah. Uh, and so the Levitical priesthood or the uh, Melchizedekian priesthood, anybody can be a Melchizedekian priest because it comes from Noah's son Shem. And so he's going to supervise the Levites in their duties at the temple plus rule and reign as king. And that's what's going to happen. And the sacrifices are going to continue because it's going to, con going to continue to remind us of the price Yeshua paid for us. Plus, it's going to be the inheritance of the Levites. You say, well, what is the inheritance of the Levites now because there is no temple and they can't get you know, the animal sacrifices and stuff that's due to them? Well, in Judaism, they have a special place in the synagogues and in Jewish communities, and that is – that they uh, have special honors, they have special uh, duties, they have special rights, and that is kind of considered their inheritance kind of keep, keep going on until the sacrifices resume. We've got to remember that even after Yeshua came and died on the cross, that even the apostles sacrificed at the temple. Uh, uh, um, Paul took upon himself a Nazarite vow, and after the vow was complete, he sacrificed at the temple. If it, you know, and, and, and he never considered it a slap in the face of Yeshua. You know, he knew exactly what the sac sacrifices were for, what they represented, and what they mean. And, and anyway, so hopefully this kind of uh, shed some light on some things and some open up some things to you so you can understand the scriptures a little bit better and understand what the meaning and reason for the sacrifices are, and especially how they pertain to the Levitical priesthood. Okay, I've rambled on long enough. Go out there and have a great day. Love you guys. Thanks for all your comments, your prayers, and your support. Shalom, and God bless.